Yeah. Do you not want to pay for the roads that get people to work each day? I mean, absolutely. There's certain things. To, yeah. Yes. Uh, do, do you want to just, hey, let's just, you know, smash all the bridges. We don't need them anymore because someone else is going to use them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. We all get our own private bridges, right? I mean, it'd be impossible. Yeah, exactly. Well, I don't want any. I don't want any more buildings except my house because you know yeah. <laughs> I don't want anyone else in houses. That's just ridiculous. <laughs> you know. Welcome to the Lone Star Play Podcast. I'm your host, Patrick Scott Armstrong. Join me and a famous guest. We discuss their career, life, food, Texas, and everything in between. Let's get started. The Lone Star Play Podcast is produced by TexasRealFood.com. Find out more at the end of this episode. Hi, guys, and welcome to another episode of the Lone Star Play Podcast. I'm your host, Patrick Scott Armstrong. All right, we have a wonderful episode today in our brand new season. Super excited about it. Dr. Kermit Jones. Now, I was actually on his podcast. He has a podcast that's called On Call with Dr. Kermit. And uh, he's actually in California, Northern California. Um, and it was just sort of like a swap, like, a, you know, I'll go on your podcast, you go on mine. So he's not from Texas. Um, his brother lives here, has for over 20 years or so. So he's got a connection to Texas always. Um, and he's actually running uh, for office in uh, political office in Northern California. So we, he goes into detail about that. And we talk politics, you know. The, the the honest truth is a lot of the stuff, even though it's he's running for local politics, one of the biggest districts actually um, in California, and it, things are so similar. Okay, there's so many similarities. So a lot of the things we talk about, we can absolutely relate to here, and some of it's national politics. So just kind of go into the importance of that, what that means, right? He's not a typical politician in that sense, but he's getting into politics and how to maintain your integrity and, you know, all of that, trying to get into that game and what that entails and, you know, all of that. It, it was a great conversation. Um, really enjoyed it. And we talked food. Uh, we talked the pandemic, COVID, uh, vaccines. Uh, he's a doctor. So that was great uh, to get his insight on that. And it's honestly just a really great episode. I really enjoyed the conversation. And, you know, moving forward with this season, we're really trying to keep all the episodes at about an hour or under. So that way, these are a lot more digestible. So uh, this is a nice, just solid episode. Really, really enjoyed that. So Dr. Kermit Jones coming up. Uh, check um, all the links in the descriptions for, you know, he's running for office. You can still donate to people that even if not in your state. So if you support his cause and want to help uh, support him in what he's doing. Um, and also his podcast, we'll put a link to that uh, description in, in the description as well to his podcast. So, and he also tells you at the end of the podcast, stay tuned uh, for that, uh, you know, how to stay connected with him and all that sort of stuff. So, and gives his shout outs for some cool places to eat. Um, so anyway, all right, look, let's get to this, right? Uh, but before we do, quick word from our sponsor, Texas Real Food. We'll be right back. Hi, I wanted to talk to you about what's on the Texas Real Food site that's more than just putting in your zip code and finding, you know, the coolest butcher, farmer's market, restaurant around you. There's also other resources on the site, recipes, articles, and one in particular is called the Texas Mom Blog. It's awesome. Faria Khan 
is writing these beautiful articles. You can really learn a lot about Texas, just giving you a lot of other things to think about. Food, family, everything behind that goes into food as well. So just different topics and uh, conversations. Definitely something worth checking out as well. All right, back to the show. All right, and we're back. Enjoy my lovely espresso, y'all. Listen, hear that? ASMR. So we're going to start doing. I think that, I don't even know what that means. I just know some when people whisper into the mic and I get all, you know, deep voice and crackle and do things. And anyway, <laughs> got all freaky, didn't it? Anyway, listen, don't forget to follow us on social media, Lone Star Play TX. And also, uh, you know, for all the information you want, LoneStarPlate.com, uh, super simple. And if you're watching this on YouTube, and uh, so please like and subscribe. That really helps us out. And if you're not, get on YouTube and like and subscribe. We break down the episode into clips, so easy to digest that way as well. Um, look, let's get to this episode. What do you say? Oh, one quick announcement. God, I can't believe I forgot this. Listen, we have, uh, we're supposed to do a live event with Tony Hinchcliffe. It was coming up. We weren't able to do the event uh, in Austin. You know, there's a lot of factors that went into it, uh, but we are going to reschedule that. So stay tuned. We'll let you guys know when that's going to happen. In the meantime, we are going to be having one in Dallas, Texas at Hyenas uh, in late October. We'll let everyone know the exact date and time. So make sure to follow us on social media so you can find out about that as well. And just stay tuned to the podcast. I'll keep updating you guys on, on that as well. It's going to be a great event. We're going to be honoring uh, service industry and uh, stand-up comedy. It's going to be an awesome. We're going to be tasting local you know, food products and giving them out. So if you come to the show, you're going to walk away with something for sure. And we're going to be doing trivia. It's going to be a great night. I'll go into more details as we go. It's going to be a really, really fun night to bring people on stage, get them involved, have fun, poke fun at the service industry, dedicate a night to the service industry. They're going through a lot right now. And, uh, you know, it's my family, so want to take care of that. And, uh, yeah, it's going to be really cool and um, really excited about it. So stay tuned. We'll let you know. All right, let's get to this episode. Dr. Kermit Jones. Don't forget to check out his podcast, On Call with Dr. Kermit. And, uh, yeah, enjoy, guys. See you next time. Patrick. Hey, brother. How are we doing? It's all good, man. You know, I don't have the cool background that you have. I mean, actually, I don't have the cool background, the cool shirt, the cool hairdo. Yeah, I'm just <laughs> not going to. It's not working. Oh, please. This is all. This is a filter. This is a filter. <laughs> That's <laughs> filter you're, 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 I was going to say, you're like 400 pounds and five foot four. Yeah. Totally. Like it's, it's, it makes me look like I'm cool. Dude, I need that filter on the trail. I love it. I love it. Absolutely. Hey man, man it's so good to months. see. You. Yeah. Yeah. You too, brother. How you, how's your, how did your uh, summer go? You know, it's pretty well. Um, admittedly, I think the last time we talked, I thought, you know, COVID was kind of on the tail end of things. Um, so as, I was probably as a lot of us more, did. Yeah. I know. I was a little bit more upbeat, you know, feeling kind of, uh, you know, um, optimistic. And then as things move forward and our hospital started to fill up feeling a little bit more pessimistic, and um, yeah, but otherwise, you know, luckily, uh, the family itself is doing well. You know, wife is still, you know, working her job with no major issues. Um, you know, the kids started back in school, uh, daycare, all that type of stuff. So it's it's not bad, man. We're doing what we can. How about you? Yeah, so, sort of same sort of deal as far as just thinking, 
you know, we were getting out of this whole thing, right? And and I started preparing my life for that. Basically, I was just living my life, and then it was like, okay, let's let's take a let's slow down a little bit here, uh, <laughs> right? Yeah, exactly. Let's let's slow down. I actually got COVID um, a couple Ooh. weeks ago, Ouch. Uh, but I, I had zero symptoms. I was fine. I, I you know, thank God for my vaccine. I, I was just like, bam! I had no no. No issues. Honestly, I wouldn't have known I even had it had it not been for someone I was with saying, hey, I got it. You should go get checked out. We just hung out, you know, and I was like, okay, let me go. And sure enough, I was, but. Which is funny because I say, Pat, I, I would have, I would hear that in the context before COVID in a completely different context. So like, I got it. We were hanging out. You should get checked out. But now it's like, it's COVID. It's not like the crazy stuff with Vegas and stuff like that. So Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Of course. But, you know, we got through it. We're, we're here. Uh, and, you know, we're trying to do what we can. I'm in Texas. You're in uh, California, right? Am Northern I correct? California. Yep. Northern yep. California. That's right. So same sort of, you know, I guess California is doing a little bit better with COVID than we are. I mean, Texas is in the news left and right um, with <laughs> anything, even besides COVID. We're in the news of all kinds of uh, yeah. different, different things. Um don't mess so, with dude, that. I tell you what, man, it's like, <laughs> it's like, it's not really a, it's kind of a funny thing because it's not really a good res- representation for a lot of Texans to be yeah. honest, to be honest, if that makes sense. Like no, I get it. what, what the rest of America or the world must think of Texans. It's like, whoa, whoa, the, there's a lot of different people here. There's a big state. Like it's not, don't, don't lump us all into one group here. Uh, you know, that sort of thing. So, but anyway, um, uh, let's talk a little bit about, you know, your podcast, actually, let's talk about that a little bit before we jump into you sort of like, you got some big stuff going on. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. I'm curious about. So why don't you just talk to us a little bit about your podcast, which I actually went on, uh, which I had a great time. Uh, yeah. Just let us know a little bit about that. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I mean, so as you know, you know, on call with Dr. Kermit, you know, we uh, had a decent number of episodes over the last six months, um, kind of slowed things down a little bit just because we got a little busy with some other stuff. Uh, but, you know, I wanted to kind of meld the talking about health related issues with just community um, kind of social policy related things too. it kind of just, you know, the way that people interact and how they enjoy relationships with people. And that's why, you know, we're talking about food and that way to connect people and hearing about your awesome, um, you know, treks through Europe. You know, since our conversation, you know, we had fire and forest um, experts. We had a forest ecology set of experts oh, wow. in July, you know, because, you know, the things that are big out here that we're going sure. to Calder fire, Dixie fire, um, a lot of other wildfires have already burned 2 million acres uh, oh, this my. year alone. And, you know, we're just in August. So we're slated to have, you know, another bad year from that standpoint. So, you know, helping our listeners understand that, um, you know, understanding it from multiple perspectives, you know, a lot of times people will think of that and say, okay, well, what's the, you know, the government's response, so to speak, but, you know, talking to, to real life people, man, you know, we had a, a rancher on, you know, a guy that I thought, yeah, I thought you're just supposed to rake, the, rake the leaves more, right? Wasn't that the thought, solution? Yeah, I figured, yeah, you, you, you do that, you know, throw some water on the coal, coals and everything's fine. <laughs> um, you know, which is why you don't want me around, you know, flammable stuff because I'm just yeah. going to, I'm not going to, I'm not going to do that right at all. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, we, we had some good, good, um, like I said, guests on there too, you know, some, some doctors that have done some interesting things as well. Um, but again, like at one point we were doing a, an episode a week 
Uh, but then we had to, you know, kind of slow things down as we ramped up, you know, from, you know, the political uh, thing and stuff like that. Sure. Of course, man. I, absolutely. Look, it's an up and down uh, sort of trajectory. Yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, it happens. Uh, we, we were doing three episodes a week when we started. Oh. And we dropped down to two, which made it way, way easier. I'll never forget that change because that was insane. Uh, so, yes, I, no, I totally I totally understand. Well, let's let's talk about this whole political, which we we kind of talked about, I think, privately last okay. time. But we you, yeah. you didn't bring, you know, it wasn't a public thing yet. So I sort of already, you know, knew a little bit about this. But let's just sort of dig in as much as you want to you know, talk yeah. about it. I don't want to overstep here. So no, 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 dude, overstep. I mean, like we had our launch video yesterday. Um, we, uh, kind of announced we have our, uh, website, we have Twitter, you know, we've already gained, you know, uh, I think a, a five or 600% increase in Twitter following in one day, tens of thousands awesome. of views of the, yeah, of the uh, launch video, a lot of retweets. Um, and you know, we're just out there, you know, I, what I didn't do though was I didn't, um, go down the escalator. Uh, you know, I hadn't really <laughs> done the escalator announcement yet. So I, I feel like it's not official until, until I do that with like a big frown on my face. And yeah. <laughs> stuff that and that, that was my, uh, rake in the leaves joke, by the way, Trump said that, uh, a couple of years ago when he went and visited the forest fires, he was like, I, thought, I think you just got to rake more leaves or, you know, it's like, Oh, good God. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it's just like, <laughs> I, I, I just want to get inside that you know cubicle space for a little bit to be like is 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 this really him or is he just a great bullshitter you know i can't totally. figure out totally. you know, that, a little bit of that's both, the enigma you know? that's the enigma right that is, that's the no enigma one will ever know. no one will no, ever know I'm not no one will team. ever know not even him that's the beauty of it literally he doesn't even know what's going on up there I, there's I no way for knows. us to know yeah, no, I think yeah. I, I think the mouse the mouse gets off the track with some frequency, but uh, <laughs> well, not, not a, so let's be a little bit more. Uh, so so you talked about this launch. What what exactly did you launch? Like, what is this campaign? What are you launching uh, uh, there? Yeah, yeah, no, exactly. So um, yesterday we launched uh, my campaign to run for Congress in California's fourth congressional district. Yeah, really excited about that. You know, we've been looking at it for some time. Uh, you know, th the way that we look at it is. I mean, it's, it's not an easy district, but it's a district that has a lot of good people in it um, that, you know, have, have worked really hard, done everything right, um, but, you know, just are, are not getting their fair shake with respect to the person that's been representing them since 2009, uh, you know, Mr. Tom Clintock. Uh, and then also, to be honest with you, the proper balance between, uh, you know, federal state government support and local control. Right. I mean, like, yeah, there are a lot of things that we should be doing uh, as a as a country of 50 states, uh, things that I was proud, you know, to serve for, uh, you know, in the military. But, you know, there's some things and this is why we have federalism, these other things where, um, you know, you need that federal support so that we're helping people with respect to uh, staying in their homes, getting back in their homes if they burn down, uh, you know, doing all of the things that are necessary to manage the forests. Um, but then and then also making sure people have access to health care. But then also making sure that all that's local, you know, I mean, it's like, I, you know, I can't tell you enough, you know, whether I was in Iraq, you know, uh, dealing with people over there, or dealing with people right here. People want when it comes to um, uh, the government and they come to interaction they want things as local and close to home as possible, because you want the people that understand you that are working with you, not somebody coming in, you know, from twenty five hundred miles away and saying, hey, this is going to how it's going to be. 
because that doesn't work for anybody. Sure. Um, so we're trying to help people in that way as well, you know, figure out what they need uh, and help enable them to get that uh, from the federal government because they haven't been able to get that to this point. So, you know, those are the major parts of the campaign. Of course, you know, I'll give the plug uh, for the campaign as well, you know, in terms of our website and stuff like that, so that people are able to understand what we're doing, take a look at it, um, hopefully support, you know, because it's going to take a lot of donations, unfortunately, uh, to get this up up the uh, ladder. Yeah. No, that's awesome. And people, that not that the great thing sort of about, about donating now is that you can donate to people even outside of your state if you support somebody, right? Can't you no, essentially or no? No, I mean, yeah. I mean, the problem is, and I had this conversation with people, you know, I may call someone and obviously you want as much support to come from your district. Of course, of course. Uh, I mean, you, 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 you do, right? I mean, but let's look at the reality is one, you know, in a, in a district where you have people that are struggling, the vast majority of people make less than $100,000 a year. And the media market, you know, it may take $100,000 or more to run an ad. You can't ask these people to donate uh, what little money they have to run ads on TV about your stuff, right? I mean, sure. so, you know, when I have the conversation with people outside the district, people in California, people across the country, and they're like, hey, you know, why should I donate to uh, a district, you know, from some area I don't live in? And I remind them, I said, look, you know, um, there are uh, 435 members of Congress. Uh, you know, when you're trying to figure out, you know, are they going to vote for this package to help people out with COVID? That takes every single member of Congress. You know, the, the spending starts in the House and it goes to the Senate. So you actually need to care, uh, you know, whether this person represents your district or not, because they not only represent that piece of America, but they vote on things that affect the entire country. That's a great point. Yeah. Uh, that's a that's a great point. Uh, the Internet has totally transformed that. Right. And social media and being able to reach people outside of your districts and sort of get that support. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's been the biggest change. Right. I would imagine. Um, I think without know, a doing doubt. It that way. Yeah. No, I mean, without a doubt, I think the Internet's been a game changer on multiple levels. I mean, that's why it's so important that we make sure we have 100 percent broadband to everybody, you know, that people yeah. have access to the information um, currency. Uh, that we have right now. But yeah, from that, you can look up information on people all over the country. You know, not all of it true, um, unfortunately. You know, so I feel like it's like any other tool. You know, it can either be used for very good things uh, or it can be used for nefarious things, you know, or something that's neither uh, of those two things. And that's kind of the situation that we're in right now. I'm sure you're aware, you know, even just going back to COVID for a second, there's a lot of uh, mis and disinformation out oh, there yeah. in terms of in terms of what people should do. Oh, yeah. And, and it course. breaks my heart as a doctor because, you know, I just the other day had a patient come in and say, hey, doc, I'm afraid of COVID and I'm afraid of the vaccine. I'm not sure what to do, you know. And, and you know, and he told me all the things he heard and the craziness, you know, family members telling him that like crushed babies were in the vaccine. And yeah, it, it's just, yeah. I mean, well. you get to this point where it's a, almost, it feels like an almost insurmountable amount of, a disinformation that's not designed to help people, but it's designed to just keep uh, the people that are doing that in power. And that's yeah. that's not what the democracy Abs Absolutely. No, for sure. I, I definitely know a lot of family members and friends who do not want to get the vaccine. They're very adamant about not getting it. Um, and like you said, they're scared of the vaccine, scared of COVID, scared of everything, scared of the yeah. government, scared of what people are telling them scared, but then at the same time, they're not scared to go to the store and buy some random 
shit and throw and put that in their body that I don't get either. So I'm like confused by the whole thing to be, to be frank with you. And it's, and it's no big deal, right? So you're scared about something that's no big deal at the same time. There's a lot of confusing messages that I get for, for instance, from my family, for instance, just some of my family that, you know, I'm just totally confused by, uh, you know, what they say. And I'm not even a doctor, so I can't even imagine being a doctor and just hearing some of this stuff and thinking, oh my gosh, what you just feel bad for them. And you feel bad for, uh, I guess what angers me the most is, is yeah, that misinformation and that allowing that, because these are people that you are looking to the world to help you, right? You are looking to experts to help you. Like that's sort of what we do, right? We need that in life. We can't study every th facet of life and be an expert on it. So we need people in, in power and in leadership to sort of guide us in some of these things. And uh, I think that's what makes me the saddest is because these people are just like, you know, normal, hardworking Everyday people just want to take care of the family and do the right thing. And they're hearing a million different things from wherever. And it's confusing them more than anything. No, right? Just it, this confusion. It breaks my heart. I mean, it really does. Because, yeah. I mean, you don't expect someone to have a PhD in chemistry and understand hydrofluorocarbons and benzenes and all these other types of random things. You know, it's like if you tell them as a physician, as someone who's trained for 12 years for your craft, hey, look, two exposure to benzene will cause bladder cancer. I mean, majority of people get that and then they'll try to avoid it. Right. And then, and then there's that, and they do that because there's that trust of institutions. There's trust of the pathway that we have uh, and people get that. And the difference between that. So I don't expect people to have, to be experts on everything, you know, sure. um, but where we are now is there's been a purposeful campaign to sow distrust in experts to do, to sow distrust in the institutions. You know, when you have a situation where it's it's public dollars that go into the NIH, right? You know, that that fuel all uh, the researchers and the infectious disease doctors, people like Dr. Fauci and these other types of things, billions of dollars. And when you look at the medications that have come out of it, you know, like, uh, you know, some of the I'm trying to think of a really good one. That's some type of chemotherapy medication. Actually, one of the ones that my mom is on um, when someone goes in and they hook up the IV and they get that medication. The questions that they'll have may be something like, hey, is this going to cause some really bad side effects or how effective is it going to be against the cancer? You know, they're not going to go, you know, you know, look at the chemotherapy, at least I haven't heard them say it and say, you know, I think I'd rather have weed killer, you know, yeah. <laughs> and you just kind of look at them and you're just like, what are you, what are you talking about? You know, it's like, no, no, I'm serious. You know, it's like, you know, we were given our horse uh, some dewormer or something, and we figured that would work better against the cancer than what you're going to give me. That is the level. That's the state of play. Uh, yeah. that we're in. And like I said, I don't blame people because people, like you said, are trying to figure out uh, what's the best thing to do for them and their families and their communities and their loved ones. And I blame a lot of the people that are in power um, yeah. that are purposefully sowing mis and disinformation. Um, because they don't want people to vote on information that's going to make a difference in their lives. They just want to stay in power. And that's one of the reasons I'm running, because I don't think, um, I think people are tired. I think they're tired of being told, you know, it's it's one way or the highway. Uh, every time there's an issue, there's a disinformation campaign. Um, and they want people with experience and understanding that, that come from, uh, you know, people similar to them uh, in terms of, of life experience. Um, and, and try to help make the rules to make their lives better, you know, bring them the things that they're not getting right now, you know? Love that, man. Lo love, the, love, love your home, everything you're saying, man. Really, I, I mean that uh, 100%. Let me ask you this. Um, 
What, what do you say to somebody who says, you know, b- because of COVID and everything, I feel like it's brought universal health care to the forefront so- somewhat. And what do you say to someone who says, you know, it's too expensive or, or even, um, you know, I don't want to pay for someone else's care? Yeah. So a couple of things to that. One, I think we need a uh, universal system where everyone gets access to care, hands down. Uh, you know, if you're sick, you shouldn't have to go into bankruptcy. Uh, you shouldn't have to worry about whether you're going to be able to afford the care, you know, whether the ER is going to uh, kick you out, hit you with a, a, a surprise bill, or, they, you know, have a medication. You have to decide between your medication and your insurance. I mean, no. I mean, as simple as that. How we yeah. get there, I think the devil is in the details, you know, whether sure. it's Medicare for all, which I think is a great vision, uh, you know, whether it is um, uh, public option, which, you know, 10 years ago, wasn't even a possibility. Uh, you know, whether it is, uh, you know, the federal government working with state governments to enforce better rules in our, uh, healthcare system for insurance companies. So there remains to be competition. I think we need to have that debate. Um, but at the end of the day, it needs to end with making sure that no one is left behind with respect to their healthcare. Now, the second part, you know, people that say, I don't want to pay for someone else's healthcare. I mean, the answer I tell everyone is exactly the same, and it's the truth. You already are, you know. You know, whenever we have a situation where people have to go to the emergency room to get their care, as opposed to getting preventive and primary care from a uh, regular primary care doctor or provider of some sort, you are paying for their care. You're either paying for their care because uh, they're more likely to get COVID and they have chronic illnesses and they're going to spread it to other people and there's a communicable disease component. You're paying for their care because there are federal laws uh, that make it so that, you know, those emergency rooms have to get reimbursed, uh, which is reasonable because, hell, you know, someone may be, uh, you know, in a traffic accident, not have any insurance on them and be in a serious situation. And you can't go to the ER needing surgery and stabilization. And they say, nope, if you can't pull out that fat wad of money, we're not going to do it. You know, and so they have to get reimbursed by someone. And that's the federal government. That happened. And I joke about that, but I was in India working some years back, 100% true story. And I was walking home from the hospital and I saw a guy seizing on the sidewalk. You know, he was laying there, uh, had all the characteristics of a seizure, foaming at the mouth. And uh, I went to the the first uh, store that I saw. I said, hey, this man is having a seizure. We need to call an ambulance. And Patrick, I'm 100% honest. The guy asked me, he said, well, who's going to pay for the ambulance? You? Who's going to pay for it? Who's going to pay for the ambulance? I'm not calling an ambulance. And then I just looked. I was like, are, are you joking? And it was 100% serious. Dude wow. just kept there seizing. You know, I, I came back later and the guy wasn't there. I don't know what happened to him. I don't know if he died. But like nobody, you know, would help the guy. Nobody would get an ambulance um, because they were just like, hey, you know, around here, you have to pay for ambulances. Oh That's not God. what we want in our country. You know, when we yeah. say, you know, United we stand uh, and we the people, you know, we're supposed to mean that. And I think part of that process, just to finish answering your question, is we need to make it so that cost actually um, is affordable for people. And what you pay for is uh, comparable to what you actually get. You know, what we have right now is yeah. a system where people pay tens of thousands of dollars a year. In some instances, the average is twelve dollars to $14,000 a year for a family of four in insurance. And a lot of times they either don't use it you know, can't get access to things. There are a lot of co-pays. There's a lot of um, high deductibles. And then, you know, when they get into the system, they're like, so why does this cost, 
you know, $10,000 a day or these other types of things. Uh, and there are mechanisms to lower the cost. And if we lower the cost across the board, if we even lower the cost five to 10%, we're talking about, you know, north of $2 trillion that we spend each healthcare related things. If we lower that cost even 10%, that's $200 billion saved. Um, wow. And that is, that could pay for the healthcare of uh, overwhelming number of people in this country. Wow. Yeah, I never thought about some of those things that way, to be honest with you. Um, and I've talked about healthcare a lot in my life. It's been a big part of uh, my life, just because my dad was sick growing up. So it was always a big part of, you know, our life. Um, you know, my my biggest thing with healthcare is, um, and I love your answers, by the way. Again, I, I really do love the way you look at it and think about it. Um, my biggest thing is that it's tied to so many people's jobs. So they will choose their career, their job based on what kind of healthcare they got. Right. I mean, I literally know people who have this have had the same job for forever because of the healthcare that it gets them, not because of any other reason. Healthcare should not be tied to your job. Right. I mean, it's so crazy. I mean, simple as that. That was an artifact of ERISA and uh, the health insurance mechanism coming out of the 70s and uh, some court cases. And since then, it's been tied to your job. And like you said, because of that, people are tied to jobs that they either don't want or they get underpaid. There are plenty of studies that say the cost of healthcare has made it so that it's depressed people's wages. Um, and the yes. reality, you, you can't have it both ways. And this is a conversation I have with people. This isn't, you know, some crazy right wing talking point versus left wing talking point. This is math. And we're trying to figure out how we, we work on this. If we do not lower the cost of healthcare, it will eat up uh, the cost of everything else. Um, and we can get there. You know, a good example is it costs so much money to throw someone, unfortunately, in a nursing home compared to getting care at home. If you pay a family member as a caregiver $25 an hour, which is a wage that, you know, would help them out in terms of economics, um, yeah. they're safer to get their care at home than they would be if they were thrown in a nursing home that would cost astronomically more. And then they're oh, at wow. higher risk of getting COVID and other types of things as well. Right. And they're being taken care of by someone who loves them. That's awesome. I never heard that before. That's such a great idea. Plus they're with their family. Yeah. Right. You just, I mean, you just, everything is a positive to that. There's literally no negative to that. I mean, you don't, you don't have someone trying to decide between, you know, am I going to work this particular job or am I going to take care of a, a loved one who needs Absolutely. hundred percent. And that's a big problem here, you know, and I'm Latin, man. Like my mom's Mexican and, you know, part of the part of the Latin community is you take care of your family up until the very end, you know, they'll come live with you, right? That's, that's essentially how it, how it works. And, um, and that disproportionately yes. affects women. Sure. Uh, oh, of course. It ends up being yeah, a woman's rights issue as well. During sure. the COVID pandemic, we had a situation where a lot of people were pulled out of the workforce. Because, you know, you couldn't get uh, child care, right? Yeah. And a yeah. Dis- disproportionate number of those people were women. So it's like when we're looking at these solutions, you know, like how do we fix X, Y, and Z? Sometimes you just have to be practical and say, look, we can fix it by, you know, paying people a wage that they can raise a family on, you know, making it so we move healthcare away from the most expensive aspects of healthcare, whether it's insurance, you know, or whether it's in the hospital, whether it's, you know, in a nursing home. You know, we right size the healthcare system. You know, we we force enough competition within the insurance industry, so you don't have, you know, I'm sorry, you know, I mean, you don't have um, insurance executives making double digit eight figures running a health insurance plan, um, and that being money that's being sucked away from actual care. 
I mean, that's just not the way the system's supposed to work. No, absolutely. I mean, we should want Americans to be doing well. It only does better for America, the right? If we're, I mean, yeah, it's like we all benefit from it. It's like when people say, well, I, you know, going back to, well, I don't want to pay for other people's health care. People will tell me that. I'll go, you know what? I don't have, I don't have children and I pay for your children's school. So get out, get out of my face with that stuff. I say, and I have no problem investing in education because that's, that's those the are Americans. These are the future, right? These are people going into society. I mean, I have zero problem with it. I, I don't even think twice about it. Um, and yeah. I feel the same. I feel the same way for healthcare. Yeah. Do you not want to pay for the roads and get people to work each day? I mean, absolutely. There's certain things. To, yeah. Yes. Uh, do, do you want to just, hey, let's just, you know, smash all the bridges. We don't need them anymore because someone else is going to use them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. We all get our own private bridges, right? I mean, it'd be impossible. Yeah, exactly. Well, I don't want any. I don't want any more buildings except my house because you know yeah. <laughs> I don't want anyone else in houses. That's just ridiculous. <laughs> exactly, exactly, man. Um, you know, I, I'm blown away by that. Um, and and I've lived in places. I lived in Spain for a few years where they have, you know, free healthcare and private healthcare. That's what I tell people. Oh well, it's all gonna be. We're gonna have the crappiest doctors, and nobody's gonna want to be in healthcare. I'm like, what are you talking about? Like. That this that's completely like not true. You can still have like some public system, but also a private system for people that maybe have more money and want to do something else. Okay, no problem. Go do that. There's no there's nobody stopping you. But everyone can go to the doctor. Everyone can go to the dentist. Everyone can go get glasses if you need them. You don't you yeah. know you don't have to worry about. I, I work with so many people in the restaurant industry that wouldn't go get taken care of because of no healthcare, man. I mean, literally everyone I've ever worked with, to be frank with you, it's very rare to find a restaurant. It was usually corporate that would offer some sort of healthcare. And again, tying it back to, you know, these businesses. And also if you're a small business, you may not be able to afford healthcare for your employees. You could, you can only hire five employees. It's like, and they're looking at you like, please give me healthcare. Otherwise I'm going over here and now we're fighting amongst each other when we're not the ones that should be battling against each other, you know? Exactly. No, I totally agree. Makes me, yeah, it makes me sad, man. Well, what's another, um, you know, I know this is it's not necessarily in, in California. Well, this, this is going on in California. Let's talk about that first, about this uh, recall that, that's going on with the governor. I've never, I guess I didn't know that that could happen. This is sort of news to me. I, so the governor's in place. But they can do something to take him out of office while he's in, not an impeachment, though. Something different. It's not an impeachment. But, I mean, yeah, I mean, California has rules where, you know, if they get uh, enough signatures, um, you can challenge uh, the government, you know, at the ballot, the governor at the ballot box. Yep. That's kind of crazy. It is kind of crazy. Just in the middle of his tenure or whatever, right? Like what, what we already voted him in for. I know, I know, I know. And, that's, but you know, I, I'm not, he has, uh, Governor Newsom has a lot of support, uh, you know, the unions and, and uh, other organizations, people that, you know, respect what he's done, um, you know, not just for COVID, but for a lot of other things. Um, so I think, you know, I mean, it's going to uh, the, the ballot box, but, you know, and we'll see what happens. But, you know, the, the poll suggests that he is, uh, is not going to have anything to worry about. You know, and, yeah. you know, other yeah. than, you know, it, it costs a ton of money to do this. Right. And, you know, we already, uh, you know, don't have enough money to pay for the plans that we want to pay for, you know. Um, but, yeah, that's kind of where we are with that. No, waste money. And on I that. think no, that yeah, sure. we'll, we'll know the results of that next week. We'll know the results. Okay. 
Right on. Well, I, you know, it seems so odd. I, in a way, I wish we could do it here in Texas, uh, you know, for our governor. But, um, you know, I, something that's been bothering me about Texas recently and our government has been the mask mandates for schools, really, specifically, and how the government has gotten involved in that. And I, I'm not sure how to feel about it because I'm OK with, you know, going back to local. I think, you know, the local decisions should be made there. If a school district decides we're going to do a mass mandate, they should be allowed to. The fact that our government is like going out of its way to to punish these schools for wanting to do this is blowing my mind during a pandemic. And curious what you think about that. I mean, it's it's not helpful. It's it's ridiculous. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's not um, it's not based on science. You know, I mean, I think the problem is. You know, people at this point, for political reasons, want to pretend that we've always had 100% certainty with any type of answers uh, whatsoever. Um, the yeah. issue is that we don't have 100% certainty. You know, we have a situation where, uh, you know, we look at the best evidence of what's out there and what's going on. And in medicine and in science and stuff like that, we make a decision. Uh, that's, that's what we have right now is that masks work, you know, and there are certain types of masks that work better than others. Um, but, you know, where we are right now, we're in a situation where um, we have, you know, governors like the governor of Texas, the governor of Florida, and for political reasons, uh, they're out there um, making it harder for people to keep themselves safe. Uh, and I don't get it. I, I really don't. Because at the end of the day, I mean, yeah. their, their policies are actually putting people in the hospital and putting people in the grave. Yeah. Um, and it just does not. It does not compute with me, you know. I mean, it doesn't, me neither. Me yeah, neither. So and look, know. there's a lot of people in Texas and Florida as well that agree with what you just said, right? We don't understand it I have, either. I have friends. I have friends there, even conservative friends that are just like, oh yeah, me too. Yeah. Me too. Yeah, conservative friends as well. Yeah, they're just like, what is going on? Just let them make the decision if that's what they want to do. This is crazy, especially since conservative policy, GOP policy is usually local decisions, local government, right? You make the choice, uh, not big Washington, not big government. And that's literally what he's doing. Exactly. Uh, com no, exactly. Coming down on them. Just at the state level, it's still, it's still big government, nanny state, uh, you know, more so than letting the localities, which I think he'd be a lot more popular if he did decide, Absolutely. For decide for themselves. Absolutely. I mean, if a school district, look, if they vote, if all the parents voted and they just decided not to do the mat, great. That's what they decided. No, problem. but this other school district that says, you know what, we're going to do it. This is what we want. This is what all the parents voted for and not letting them do it. I just, um, I, again, it just, it just doesn't fit in my, in my mind. And, and it can only be what you said, political reasons, right? It can only be that there, there's really no other, otherwise you just get out of the way. You just say, well, I don't, you know, let them do with it whatever they want. I'm not going to force force the mass mandates on them. But if that's what they want to do, that's what they want to do. Instead, he's saying, you can't even do that. You can't do what you want. And, and they're being challenged in court for that. I mean, that's why I said that there's one thing. I mean, there, there's a lot of power that the Constitution gives state governments, less so the federal government, which why you don't why you don't hear a national mask mandate, but gives the state governments in terms of doing things for public health, right? I mean, so I think, you know, he would even have more legal ground if he mandated masks as opposed to not mandating masks, because sure. it's a very hard argument that can be made that, you know, not wearing masks actually improves health. I mean, it, it 
it's more than likely not going to do the exact opposite. You know, just <laughs> yeah. things like, but, so I guess, you know, people are like, well, it doesn't help. Well, I guess we've been wearing surgical masks in the hospital all this time for nothing. Right. I yeah. mean, <laughs> just for absolutely, you know, for the hell of it, because, because yeah. it doesn't, help. you know, because yeah. either, and, and that logic is either one of two things because, you know, COVID is the super virus and, you know, no other coronaviruses, you know, and adenoviruses, um, you know, could help or two, this is just political theater. Uh, and I'm, I'm, I would put my money on two as opposed to one, you know, sure. That's unfortunate. All of it's been political. Um, you know, all the misinformation, everything, just the, the fact that a vaccine is political, right? The people are making a vaccine political. They're they're sticking to their side, whatever it may be. And that becomes a political. I've never seen people get so involved with the science of vaccines in my life before. All of a sudden, they're all experts on vaccines, that, you know, just out of nowhere. They just got all this information. And it's like, where, why did the, you know, where did this come from? How did this become a... A political football that that's getting thrown around, um, which is horrific. Uh, you know, I guess some things are okay to have conspiracies about. You know, if you want to think we didn't land on the moon, great. You want to think the the Earth is flat, okay, right. You know, great, okay, no problem. You know, JFK. You know, I'm in Dallas, right? So that that gets talked about a lot. But whatever. But now the COVID and th that's a different story. Now we're talking people's lives. You know, now people are dying from these conspiracies, and it, it sort of takes it to another level you know it just like whoa this is not us talking about ufos this is like people putting their life on the line and not just their life other people other around them lives. Other yeah exactly lives. exactly yeah man no it's um like i said it's, it's disheartening you know and that's why i think you know people need to have these types of uh you know just frank conversations with their family members with their communities with their doctors um and you know get to a place where you know, they've done you know, real research, not just the Google research, because, yeah, you know, I mean, we both know that Google is only as good as what's put on the Internet, um, sure. you know, and 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 then making the decisions that that make sense, um, you know, for themselves, but then also for their families and for their communities. You know, I mean, we really have to uh, understand that we are part of one fight in this. You know, we really are. And we need to make sure that, um, you know, we keep each other safe, you know, just like. You know, you expect people in the military to do that. Uh, you know, you expect people in other instances uh, that call themselves a community to do that as well. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. Um, let, let's get back a little bit to your uh, campaign that you got um, coming up. Oh, yeah. What I, I really want to ask, like, what do you think is maybe your biggest hurdle that you see coming up just here in the near future with, with this whole thing? Is there one one in particular thing that's just, you know, hanging over you? about all this you know, I mean, this is a it's a big district california's fourth um right now it's 10 counties um it, it will probably shrink a little bit after we have the redistricting commission and find out in january you know honestly the, the hardest thing is having the resources to communicate the message that you want to to voters and get in front of them and um and make the case as to why you think that your vision off for what you want to do and how you want to represent them um is is the one that they should bank on uh, and, and invest in, you know, with that vote. Um, that's, it's not easy. You know, it, unfortunately where we are, I think as a society with respect to politics and campaigning is that it takes millions of dollars. You know, you may have heard that, um, even with the last presidential election, I think the one before that actually, you know, it was over a billion dollar uh, election. The one before that was over a billion dollar uh, election. That's a lot of money. You know, yeah. And then when you think of with respect to the house, 
um, you know, 435 members every two years have to figure out, you know, how to get reelected. If each race on average, let's say even costs $2 million, you're upwards of $900 million right there. And a lot of them cost more. Some of them cost less, but a lot of them cost more, you know? So, I mean, we really need things, um, you know, like a hard look at campaign finance reform, you know, like a hard look at, uh, you know, how we fund campaigns and how we make it so that people are, are, you know, worried about running a campaign financially, as opposed to getting out there and talking to people about their ideas. So I think for me, that's the biggest challenge right now is, you know, figuring out how to most efficiently uh, get in front of people and, um, you know, figure this thing out. Yeah, absolutely. No, I agree with the you know, just as a regular voter and you, you yourself, right? Um, money in politics is always uh, what's talked about, right? At the dinner table or whatever at the at the bar, right? Um, and and trying to get that out of it. Um, I think that's probably a politician's biggest hurdle from just a re- you know regular person standpoint. It's like trust. People don't trust politicians, right? That's like the number one thing you said, lawyers and politics. Not not that I'm saying that that's the case, but that's the stereotype of, and how can politicians break that with, with just regular people, right? How How is that, Where when is that going to happen? You know what I mean? How, how does that happen? You know, I, I think it happens when people have opportunities to do a couple of things. One, meet the people that are running to represent them, whether it's you know the House or Senate or as the President of the United States in person or have a connection with them directly. Um, and if they say they're going to do something, they actually do it, right? I mean, that's yeah. the other thing. You know, I mean, if someone comes in office and says that you know, they're going to do X, I mean, you, you got to hold them accountable to that. And it can't just be right before election. You know, I mean, I think that's going to be the things that really make a difference. <laughs> that's a good people. point. Yeah, seriously. Yeah. Okay, you're gonna you're gonna vote, so let me hurry up and make do on that promise. That you know. I yeah. Mean, <laughs> come on, come on. Um, that's funny. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, so that's that. But I think it's gonna it's gonna start with that, and it's gonna start with people as politicians being a little bit more honest. You know, I mean, there's a yeah. lot of. Uh, it used to be hyperbole. Now there's just a lot of frank lying. You know, I mean, and. When you do that, uh, you know, it kind of breaks the system. You know, you can't just, you know, lie because, you know, by the time someone can verify it, they won't feel like it. And so that initial lie is what shapes their opinion. You know, so it's going to take, I think, at at the the bigger level, communities getting together and trying to make sure that they really are able to uh, trust uh, each other uh, and, and trust the politicians. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's where it needs to trust just needs to start happening more, you know, as far as that goes. Um, I think like for me, when I see um, someone who I consider to be a local politician, quote unquote, is always in the national scene and always, you know, sort of doing things on a national level where it's like, whoa, whoa, why aren't you, you know, worried about your your portion that, you know, you got voted for to take care of, right? Your counties, your thing. I understand there's some sort of mix and having a good national presence would probably could somehow benefit your, your local area. But to some extent, it goes a little too far with, yes. with some people uh, like Marjorie Taylor Greene. I can't stand that woman, you know, for, just for like, I just think for one, if I was in her district, I think, what are you doing? Like, take care of us. What are you out here doing? Like, uh, you know, regardless of what she's saying, even if it was other things like I just like 
you know, absolutely. That I think that's a that's a huge thing. Anytime I see that sort of thing happening, I just think, wow, if I was in that district, that's what would make me the most angry of just, you know, stop worrying about that stuff. Come over here and take care of us. Do your job. Yeah, do your job. Stop tweeting about this other nonsense that has nothing to do, you know, just starting fights or talking about, you know, if you're a Democrat and you refer to Republicans a certain way, or if you're a Republican and you refer to Democrats in a negative way, like, I don't like that either. I think that's a bad, I, I think that's a, right? Like, I think that's a, just a bad sign of like, well, that doesn't sound like you're ready to, we're all Americans here. Okay. You just vote, you just vote a different way. Like for Christ's sake, you're not a different human being. You did like, we, we shop together. We eat next to each other, right? We work together. Like, you know, we, we can't be like literal enemies. No, we um, fight together. No, you're right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah no, and I, I, that, that really bothers me when, when I hear that, yeah. when I see that. No, first, first and foremost, we're Americans. Yeah, you know, exactly. we have to fight for each other as Americans. Yeah. Uh, you know, we have to care for each other as Americans. And until we do that, uh, we're always going to have a divided and weaker country. Um, and there are a lot of external forces that are exploiting that already. You know, a lot of foreign forces, um, you know, put bots and other types of things out there to try to exploit the differences that we have uh, amongst yeah. each other. Yeah, that's a great that's a great point, man. Other other things, entities getting involved and sort of wedging themselves, uh, you know, in between us and social media is, you know, hu huge about that. Um yeah, bots and and those and other countries getting involved and whatever. We at the end of the day, we don't even know who's who's presenting us the message. At the end of the day, you know, when we're reading stuff online, that that's the sad part. Uh, you know, to be honest with you, but yeah, I think the trust thing is uh, for sure there. Well, let me ask you something else um, about your your campaign, like about your constituents. Let, let's look at it from their their standpoint. Like, what do you think is the number one thing they're concerned about in their district? And with you, when they're looking at you, what, what do you think is their number one concern? Or have you gotten that far or still? I don't know. No, I think they have a lot of concerns, man. Um, sure. I'd say their, their number one concern with me is, you know, is this a guy that's going to fight for us and represent our issues in Congress? You know, is this yeah. a guy that's going to listen to us um, and then take what we think we need um, to Congress with him, you know, and, and advocate for us every single day? And the answer to that is yes. Uh, and that's an answer. Uh, that's a question and answer that I'll have with as many people as I can uh, meeting in person and then getting that information out radio and newspapers and stuff like that. Um, you know, in terms of their issues, I mean, man, they have a lot of similar issues to a lot of other people in this country. You know, they want uh, good, high quality health care. They want to not have to drive uh, any longer than they have to. And I'd say no more than 25 miles to see a doc. They want to have that relationship. Uh, with their uh, primary care provider uh, and the healthcare system that they need to keep healthy. Um, they want someone to take this, these fires seriously. You know, we just had, like I said, Calder fire almost burned down Tahoe, you know, and so yeah, part of that, being, news. that was yeah, crazy. Being so close to yeah, Lake Tahoe and these other areas is it's not just people's homes and people's lives. It's businesses. Yeah. It's, it's business income for the district. It's for the communities around there. It's for the social programs. You know, people need affordable housing. You know, we have a, a serious issue with respect to homelessness. Uh, you have people that are not just dealing from the the, the physical care, but mental health as well. You know, people take that seriously and get the proper funding. You know, and people are trying to figure out how do they get the, the training that they need to, you know, go from one particular 
job to the next. If they need, if we're going to move away from that carbon dependent economy, we have to make sure that we have those retraining um, programs and mechanisms in place so that people can benefit from a high tech economy, you know, and a green economy and stuff like that. So that's that. No, for sure. I think we're going to have to listen a lot more, you know, I mean, so there's so many things I think need to be addressed. But yeah, if we make sure that people have 100% access to broadband, uh, we get them the healthcare that they need uh, that's affordable and high quality. Um, we have real plans at the federal level to address this issue with their prospective fires and climate change. Um, we have opportunities for kids uh, and people going to college and people want to get retraining to pay for that through national service and other types of mechanisms. Then I honestly think, um, you know, the people of this district uh, will get um, a lot more than they have been getting. But, you know, I don't want to say that I know everything that they need. We have uh, Native American tribes in the district that are looking for federal recognition. Um, but what I will say is that I'll keep going out there every single day and listening to people and making sure I understand those issues uh, and advocate for them at the federal level. What well, What is the timeline for, for all of this, uh, for the, uh, the election and whatnot? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So as of right now, it looks like the primary is going to be June of 2022. Uh, and then the general election is going to be November 2022. Um, so that's a time away. But, you know, every single day between now and then, you know, we have to be working out there, getting our message, fundraising, uh, you know, which is why I said, again, you know, making sure that, you know, people, not just in the district, but all over the country, see what we're trying to do, see our uh, website and everything else. You know, we have um, our social media handles are at Dr. Kermit Jones. Our website is KermitJonesForCongress.com. Uh, so asking your listeners to go there, check those out. Um, you know, and then also, again, you know, trying to help support us because, it's going to take a lot of money to get very um, good, experienced people in Congress. Yeah, absolutely, one hundred percent. Look, a lot of hey, a lot of Californians are moving to Texas, right? You're probably trying to stop some of that that flow. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm trying. I was like, I was like, dude, don't go just yet. We still got some yeah. Good things here, but, and <laughs> and you know, if, if if going to Texas increases your risk of, you know, not just getting COVID, but then not being yeah. able to vote, you know. <laughs> Absolutely. Yes. But at the same time, I want the state to go blue so bad or at least purple something where I, right? I, I, I can't leave, man, just for that. Re like, you know, there's something about there's something special about this state, man. Um, I think know, so. A lot, brother's a lot been of ways. there for 20 years. Yeah, I think so. Well, I got I got some visit you. Yeah. yeah, yeah oh, of course, man. Absolutely. Yeah, that would be awesome. Um, well, look, uh, doctor, is there anything we didn't mention that you want to shout out? You just gave the social media handles, the website, yep. people had to stay connected with you. Is there anything we missed or anything you, you know, last thing you want to say here? I don't want to uh, miss out on anything. I, don't know. I think the three things I'd want to say is first, thank you very much for having me on your show again. Um, it's been awesome Two, I implore everyone to get involved. Uh, what I've learned is our democracy is only as good as the people that participate in it. As simple as that. You know, we can't just sit on the sidelines. We got to get in the game at this point. Um, and then finally, like I said, social media handles. I know I said them before, but take a look at Dr. Kermit Jones um, on Twitter, on, on, on Instagram, and then also KermitJonesForCongress.com. Take a look at what we're talking about. Awesome. Gosh, I wish you the best of luck with all this, man, for sure. Uh, you know, like I said, um, I, I I wish I I wish you were in my district, man. I'd I'd vote for you hands down, though, without without question. I appreciate um, that. I really do. No, man, it's something about you. Just have this energy about you too. It's not even just 
what you're saying. There's just this energy about you that I, I just you you believe what you're saying and you have faith in it and you are just genuine. That's a that's a very rare thing actually to find in people is this like genuine sense about them. Uh, and you you have that quality. No, I appreciate so, that. I really do. I so, feel the same way, man. That's why I said we got to hang out sometime and and eat some good food together. Oh, bro, please. Of course. Absolutely. You had me a food. You have it. <laughs> Absolutely. Hands down, man. Well, look, once all this COVID uh, stuff settles down, right, we'll 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 make that happen somehow. Well, listen, uh, I wish you the best with everything, like I said, and, uh, you know, my best to you and your family and with everything going on. And please keep us up to date with uh, anything. And if there's anything we can help with later, later on, uh, we'll do another episode. I don't care. Let's we're down. We're down to to support any way we can. I, I know we're a little far away, but uh, hey, the internet goes all over the globe. So it does. No, like I said, the dude, the, the the donation links are available all around the country. So there you awesome. go. And now it's time for my favorite part of the show, the end credits. This is everyone responsible for making the show happen. Executive producer Sebastian Sauerborn, podcast manager Nevena Ponovich, marketing manager Caroline Grape. Video and audio editors, Danilo Bojnov and Pavel Sebastianovich. Thumbnail designer, Marko Vukovic. Social media manager, Ursa Rusman. Guest outreach, Corey Menciez. Designing image quotes, Jay Apuya. Social media videos, Labri Fernandez. Outreach support, Yonet Del Mundo. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next time. The Lone Star Play podcast is produced by Texas Real Food. Go to texasrealfood.com and you can search your city for stores, butchers, restaurants, farmers markets, and more who are using fresh, artisanal, organic sources. It's a fun site that brings all natural options all together. I hope you enjoyed this episode. For more information, go to thelonestarplay.com. I'm your host, Patrick Scott Armstrong. Until next time.